0: Father, thank you for your word. We pray that your spirit would teach us uh, exactly what you have for us today, and, Lord, that we would have understanding uh, from your spirit, not what our minds can muster up, not what uh, we think it means, but just what you would have to say to us. Jesus, I thank you that you can speak to us through uh, the book of Exodus and and through what we're going to see. And I just pray that our hearts would be humble and and soft so that we can hear what you would say to us, and uh, thank you for... Um, this word today, Amen. So, we've been going through Exodus, and and we've gotten that they've been journeying out of Egypt, God has set them free, and then you had the ten plagues, that was loud. Uh, the ten plagues went, and and then all these uh, different stops along the way in the desert, where God is continually testing the people, and He'll bring them to a place that has no water, and then they cry out for water, and 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 they they look to something else besides God, and God uh, lovingly rebukes them and says, "I will provide for you. I will be everything that you need. You have to trust in me." Okay, so we get we're getting along through this. We're gonna uh, we're about to Mount Sinai where there's gonna be a big uh, stop where we're gonna look and God's gonna give His law, and we're gonna we're gonna spend a long time looking at at the law of God and, and how that prepares us to receive the grace of God and the love of God, but uh, uh, we're not there yet. We get to chapter 18 first, so we've just gotten to, to, he struck the rock and water came out and it was a beautiful picture of Jesus last week and and, and that was so neat. Now, Moses, who is putting together this book, he's, he's editing and putting, to get, putting it together and authoring a lot of it, he stops and he goes out of chronological order. And he, and he fast forwards a year and a half, probably about a year and a half at least, uh, to, to tell us this chapter, chapter 18. And, and I was thinking about it this week, why would Moses give us this chapter out of order? And uh, I have no idea. I never came up with a reason. I hope you guys forgive me, but I got no clue. (laughs) But he does it out of order. Uh, Maybe it was to help us understand something about discipleship that that the Lord showed him after the fact um, that he should be a part of. But I don't know why it's out of order, but it is. And so that's our introduction for today, is is an out-of-order part of of this story. Um, Let's see. Chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jethro... The priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I've been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help. And delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Now, Moses is 80 years old, or 81 almost, in that range. So his kids are old and grown up. Okay, don't think about them like he's bringing little babies along. This is old people coming to visit older people. And um, so, (laughs) just I wanted to make sure that was clear. They're not little babies. These are, these are adults coming to visit him. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And he said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her uh, two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other about their well-being, and they went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the hardship uh, that had come upon them on the way, and how the Lord delivered them. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good with which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them. When you experience God's grace, other people are only encouraged to seek the Lord themselves. Um, you know, we can ask ourselves, "Why am I going through this difficult thing that I'm going through?" You know, why does the car always break down? Why? Why is there whatever difficulty is in your life that really, you know, bothers you? We ask ourselves, "Why does this happen? Why am I being forced to trust in the Lord all the time?" I mean, I already know I'm going to trust in the Lord. Why do I have to prove it again? You, you may say that. You may be advanced in your walk with the Lord, and you know you're going to trust in the Lord. You're going to pray. You're going to do the right thing. And, and why, again, am I going through this? Didn't I prove myself last time? But what's going on is that God is giving you another platform to shine his faithfulness to this world. And he gives you this platform. He gives you these opportunities again and again and again and again and again and you might think this is getting monotonous this is tiresome or boring and the lord is saying you don't understand how bright you are shining every time you put your trust in me every time you decide i am gonna believe the promises of the lord and, and i'm gonna receive his grace it affects other people moses here. He's been going through some stuff for a while, and now he is his, his brother in law, or his father in law, and his wife and his kids are coming alongside, and they hear about what God's doing, and they're being ministered, they're being blessed, and they're being encouraged, and their own understanding of who God is is being altered because of Moses' faithfulness. And so we've got to remember Moses. And our job is simply to humbly trust in the Lord over and over and over again, no matter what the situation is. Because in the Bible, it does not promise you that you won't get cancer. And it does not promise you that your kids won't die. And it does not promise you that you won't get in car accidents or break down or have an easy harvest. That was only for you, because you're the only (laughs) farmer here and we were talking about harvesting. It doesn't promise us that, but in all those things, it promises something way better, which is that God will be with you. His love will never disappoint you, and it will never be not enough. You will have everything that you need. In every difficulty, he, he is there, and he is faithful. And I love that. So let's continue. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why? Do you alone sit? That's a key word. And all the people stand before you morning until evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, This thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. You hear those words? Wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you, and you are not able to perform it by yourself. Again, we're just going to be quickly in this, in this and it's this a quick and easy lesson for us. So, number one, we have a problem. We have a problem. Moses' problem is, Jethro says it's not good, it is definitely a problem, Uh, it's not practical. If you imagine there's two and a half million people, let's say half the people have problems, which is probably a lot higher than that, but let's say half the people have problems. And Moses solves one problem a minute, I did some math, and and he does it for six days a week, eight hours a day, it would take 434 days to solve solve all the problems in Israel. And that's just one problem for half the people. So, it's crazy to do the thing that Moses is thinking of doing. It's impractical. It doesn't make sense. Jethro tells Moses, you are alone. And Moses, you are not Superman. You need to know that you are still just a man. Yes, you've been anointed by God, and yes, you're the leader, but you're just a man. And isolation, Moses, you're doing this alone, is never a good idea. Moses, you need to share your weaknesses with other brothers and sisters and ask the Lord for wisdom. Maybe that's why I'm here, Moses, and I'm going to tell you what I see. And Moses would say, well, I know the statutes, and I tell the people all that they need to know. I can do that. And Jethro's like, If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach him to fish, he'll eat forever. Right? He probably said that. That's probably where that came from. (laughs) He's saying, in the scripture it said, You and the people will wear yourselves out. You are not able to perform it yourself. Not able, yourself. I see these words that are leading me towards the idea of self-sufficiency, doing things my own way. Every area of our lives needs to be governed and dominated by one word, which is humility. And Moses, when you pridefully think that you're the only one that knows all the answers, it's not going to be blessed. And we're looking for God's blessing here. Humility is about being honest about our weaknesses and lack of ability. Moses, it's not that you don't know God's word and God's laws. It's that you are not able to talk to two and a half million people. It's very simple. I don't know if you haven't seen this, Moses, but there's a lot of people here, and they have a lot of problems, and you can't fix them all. In James 4.6, We're going to read a couple verses about this idea of humility and where Moses needs to grow in his humility. Uh, James 4 6 says, But God, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. humble." So, in our relationship with God, in the vertical relationship with God, God says, I will always give grace. And if you're asking me how much grace I give, the answer is more. I give more grace. Oh, but I depended on you all day yesterday. Today I need to do some stuff by myself, right, God? No, you need more grace today. Well, what about tomorrow? Am I ever going to grow out of needing to come to you humbly and say, give me your spirit and your word and your direction? No. Every day we need more grace. And he says, I will give grace, this is my everlasting law, to the humble, but I will oppose the proud. Moses, I want to bless the people. And if you're prideful, the, that blessing is gonna. There's gonna be a block that won't happen in their life. Okay, so that's in our relationship with God. Humility has to dominate. God, I need you, and I can't do all that you've commanded me to do. Um and. Then in 1 Peter 5 5, we have the same thing, but in a different perspective. He says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the first one was in our, our vertical relationship with God. God says, Be humble and acknowledge you need me every day. And then he says, In your horizontal relationships with other people, Also, humility must dominate. Okay, We need to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we need God to be able to love each other and rightly relate to one another. Your kids have more problems than you will ever be able to solve. But if you're prideful, you're like, oh, I can can dominate my kids' lives. I can tell them what to do all the time and they obey me. Your spouse has more problems than you will ever be able to fix. Amen. Amen, Amen, right? (laughs) I was expecting like 20 amens just to rain from the skies. (laughs) Your spouse has more problems than you can ever fix, and God never tells you it's your job to fix all their problems. It's your job to minister to them, to love them, to stand by them and, and to encourage them, look to God's Word together. Well, everyone in your life has more problems than you could ever fix. So what's the solution? Well, number one, we need God's help. We need God's grace, His power, His resources to be able to do anything for each other. We have to humble ourselves People don't need your thoughts about their problems. They need your love to walk with them through their problems. It's it's such a different way. How many of you guys have a know-it-all in your life? Do you call that person when you're hurting? The person who just knows everything and has an answer for everything? Generally, we don't. And I see smirking and I see laughing and... uh, I know the person that's in my head right now who's just a know-it-all. You, we don't call that person because what we really need in those times is love and ministry. And so what we're learning here is ministry is not about, Moses, how much you know. But there's a different kind of wisdom that God's going to introduce into Moses' life right now through Jethro that will help him minister to these people what they need. Moses, they don't need your brains. What we need to establish here is something called discipleship. Discipleship, okay? He says, now listen to my voice, Jethro says, and I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people that you may, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. So the first solution he has for this problem, okay, the problem is big ministry needs to get done. Moses is one person. The first solution is stand before God or pray. Um, They need spiritual ministry more than they need all these problems dealt with. They need someone praying for them, Moses, is what Jethro says. Are you praying for your kids or just telling them everything they do wrong? Am I praying for my kids or just telling them everything they do wrong? Are you praying for your spouse or just telling them all the things they need to change? What is the ministry that's happening? Oh, I'm ministering to my husband by telling him what an idiot he is. That is my spiritual gift. Just so you know, that is not your spiritual gift, ladies. Do we really believe that praying for people matters? This is the big question. God will hear our prayers and bless those who we pray for. Well, will he? Does he hear my prayers? I mean, my husband is a real idiot. How? how, I can't just believe that God will transform his heart if I silently love him and pray. Why not? You don't believe God loves you enough to answer a prayer? That's according to his will. His will is that your husband grows in in humility and and faith and and honor and loving the Lord. Why do you think he wouldn't answer that prayer? Yes, he will answer that prayer. It might take some time and some long-suffering and love on your behalf, but God would be faithful. He will be faithful. But we, guys, our only problem is unbelief. We just doubt so much that God would be faithful. We don't usually believe it. That's why we struggle to pray is because we don't actually believe that God hears us and will respond. We, we just haven't experienced it very much. And so why would I put my effort and time into bowing down and praying when I really have a doubt that it works and it matters. Jethro goes on and he says, And you shall teach them the statutes and laws and show them the way that they must walk and the work which they must do. So Jethro says, Moses, first thing you need to do is you need to understand that prayer is the most important thing and you should be praying for all these people that's the most important thing. Second solution to the problem of, that we have here is teach them how to walk and how to work, not just what to do. He's not telling Moses, give them a bunch of rules that they need to keep. Give them the law. and this is kind of how I just dis- I think the Lord is even speaking to me, even in this moment about why this chapter comes before the next chapters that's going to give us the law. He says, don't just teach them uh, what to do, teach them how, he says, to walk and how they're going to work. Don't just teach them the law, what's required of them, but teach them God's wonderful grace that will be available to them to do what God commands them to do. The law tells us what to do. But grace gives us the strength to do it. The law tells us what to do, but grace, a gift from God, gives us the strength to do it. And Jethro here, he encourages Moses to teach the people one thing, the grace of God. The grace of God. So you guys know Probably what I would say after this, because I talk about this all the time. Learning about grace is so important. We do discipleship with men on Tuesday mornings in the nitty-gritty where we talk about grace and the new covenant, and I disciple men individually, and we're replicating that. I was just talking to uh, Jacob back there, and he's teaching two other guys God's grace after I taught him and BK taught him grace, And, and we're still in that process, but now it's already being replicated, and this is what is being talked about right here in this chapter. God, jethro is encouraging Mo- moses teach god's grace and that will spread like wildfire you don't have to earn god's blessings god grants you grace he gives them to you why because he loves you because jesus died for you how do i get him you believe and humble yourself before god and he gives you all that is needed now, this is the same thing that we're taught. So, this chapter of Exodus 18 is exactly replicated in the New Testament with verses like 2 Peter 3.18, the last verse of 2 Peter, where Peter says, just grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If there's going to be growth in your life, it's going to be by grace, learning grace. In fact, all of growth in every Christian's life is is a work of God you never once told yourself to grow or worked hard enough or went to enough church services to accomplish growth in your life. It was always a work of grace. He has been faithful to do it, whether you knew it or not, whether you wanted it or not sometimes. God always does the work for us. Now, if you would turn in your Bibles to keep a finger in Exodus, but turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're almost done. You guys have hung tough today. 2 Timothy chapter 2 Chapter 2 verse 1 Paul tells Timothy you therefore my son so there's this close relationship that's being developed he says Be strong in trying super-duper-duper hard to do all the laws that God commanded you to do. Amen. Amen. Do you see that in there? Right? So clear as day, right? He said, you got to give your best to follow Jesus, Timothy. You got to do your best. God is looking for your best. That's not what that scripture says. If you didn't turn there and you were just taking my word for it, I lied to you. It was a trick, a cruel trick, But really says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he says, And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Teach others what? how hard you have to try, how much you have to give. No, that's not right. I tricked you again. He says, we're looking for men who can replicate and who can teach how much God has done for you, how much God has done for us. Not what you can do for God, but what God has done for you. Why do you think in every one of Paul's letters he spends The first half telling them all that God did for them, and then the second half, how they might respond then, how they should respond to what God has done. Because we have to learn what God has done for us before anything else matters. That's what sources the the good works that we are definitely to do. Grace is how we keep the laws. And Jethro told Moses, teach them how to keep these statutes and laws. Teach them how. Don't just teach them the laws. Teach them how. Grace has to be the focus. Grace is the only way that all God wants to get accomplished can be accomplished. It's the only way. Now look what he says. He's going to give some kind of the way that this happens. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place them to be rulers over thousands, rulers over hundreds, rulers over 50, and rulers over tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that... Every great matter they shall bring to you, and every small matter they sh- themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. So the third solution to the problem that we've seen is discipleship, specifically. Discipled men are the solution. He's saying you need to develop people who know how to minister the realities of God's grace to others, how to serve them and help them understand what God has done for them because they've been taught it themselves by you Moses this is how we duplicate and multiply the discipleship and what does discipleship look like what kind of men did this produce when when Moses followed Jethro's advice, and he said, Okay, I got these group of guys. Now I'm going to teach them all that God does and all God's heart in. What does it produce in their life when he's teaching them how the grace? What does it produce? It says, able men who fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. So his discipleship in their life produced able men, which you could say men who were equipped to serve God. Equipped. Now we see that perfectly explained to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 in the New Testament where it says not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves but our sufficiency is from God who made us sufficient as ministers servants like these guys of the new covenant not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What letter is he talking about? The letter of the law. Moses puts this chapter before he gives the law so that he, we have a correct understanding that it's not the law that saves. The law is actually going to kill a bunch of people. First thing that happens when they get the law, Moses comes down the mountain, here's the law. You know what happens? People die. A whole bunch of people die. First thing. <laughs> but the Spirit gives life, it says. So there's an equipping, enabling, that happens when we learn about God's grace, His gifts to us, all in His Son, that in this enabling, this equipping, prepares us and, and enables us to serve God's people. All right? The second thing, is says, men who fear God. And this is humility. How do I get... My stinking church to be humble. (laughs) You give them a law to be humble. Just be humble, people. No, that doesn't work, obviously. It's, again, you have to teach God's grace. In God's grace, we understand God gives grace to the humble. So what does it mean to be humble? Well, let me learn about all that God has done for me. Let me clearly see all of my inabilities and all my needs, and then... That develops this heart of humility. I see my need, I present my need to God, and God meets all my needs. Wow, humility. The third thing it produced was men of truth, it says. Well, God's word is truth, right? So faith in God's word means you are a man of truth. If you as a man or a woman say I believe what God said you are a man of God of truth now this again is a work of grace you can't just decide i am now a man of truth you have to again see that god's word says you are nothing i give you everything i exchange your nothing and your sin for my son and his wonderful perfect life and now you have a choice to believe that when you believe that you become a man of truth so again grace and grace discipleship produces men of truth the fourth thing the last thing that he says here that grace discipleship produces is men who hate covetousness what this is speaking of is an internal change of desires An internal change of desires. Instead of me desiring and coveting more or different or change or something, I am satisfied instead by all that God has already given me. That's what grace produces. A complete lack of covetousness. I am a child of God. What more could I have? Well, you could have a new car. No. No, that doesn't bless me any more than I'm already blessed. How could my life get any better than it is right now? And the answer is, it can't. You are all that God has made you to be right now. You are a child of God. And lack of cancer doesn't make you any more of a child of God. And more money doesn't certainly make you any more of a child of God. And if you kept the law perfectly for the rest of today, it wouldn't make you any more of a child of God. My kids are back there with some of their friends right now. Hi, guys. Hi. Love you guys. Having a good day? Yeah. All right, good. Now, these guys were out playing. Now They have some, they have some friends. Can I pick on your friends for a minute? Yeah. No. <laughs> Is that cool? Jaden, Jeremy, you good? All right. Micah, hope you're watching. Um, so our friends, Micah, and that's their friends, Jaden and Jeremy. Well, if they're outside playing, they were playing football last night until, I don't know, 9.30, right, in the dark, they're freezing cold, they're all playing football. Let's say my kids were acting just horrible, just being awful. Is that what happened? Oh, Okay, no, that's, we're just making this story up right now. Well, let's pretend my kids were being awful, and, and their friends, let's say they live next door, and they were just being perfect little angels. Well, at the end of the night when I call kids to come home and sleep in my house, I'm still going to call my kids home. I'm not going to call the weird neighbor kids. <laughs> they go to their home. No matter how good they were, no matter how hard they tried to be good, and no matter how bad my kids behaved, to extent, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I will invite them still into my house. Why? Because they... Had, they because because they have the right name. They were born in the right house. They will always be my son, sons, and I will always love them, and they will be my family. This is the work that the new covenant produces in us as we actually start to believe that. You mean I can fail God and he still will love me? Well, then I'm going to go fail God more. No, that's not what that produces. And people are scared that, to teach that. Pastors are scared. Don't tell them how much God loves them. God loves them so much, I know he'll forgive them. And oh my goodness, but don't tell them that because that will produce licentiousness. They will feel like they have a license to just go out and sin and act a fool. And, and that's not the truth. Because what does God's love actually produce? What does his grace actually produce? The Bible says his grace produces righteousness in us. A desire to do what's right. It's amazing. And it just tells us that in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 14. I'll just read it to you. I will put my spirit in you, says the Lord, and you shall... uh, That is not the right verse at all. I wrote down the wrong verse. He says, I will put my spirit in you, says the Lord, and you shall walk in my precepts. You will do what I command you to do. It's in chapter 26. I wrote down the wrong verse. Ezekiel 26. So he says, I will put my spirit in you. You will keep my laws. You will keep my precepts. And you will do it because I make you do it. My love establishes goodness inside you. You are a child of God. This is what the Holy Spirit, this is what the New Covenant produces in our life. Okay? So those four things are produced by New Covenant discipleship, which is why we will always do New Covenant discipleship. If you ever ask, what do we do for discipleship? Well, right on our app, there's the thing you listen to the the New Covenant discipleship series. Just go through it, take your own notes, or... I'll meet with you one-on-one, and we can go through those, those studies together. What happens when you finish those studies? Well, it's 31 hours, so if you finish that, you're probably going to be a pastor or something. But you'll be doing exactly what God wants for you to do by the end of that point, and you'll be ready to start replicating that discipleship among anyone else. Well, don't we need to understand like all this other stuff about doctrines and all these other things? It's not that big a deal. If you understand God's grace, you will have everything that you need to serve God in your life. And yes, we can talk about all the doctrines and we can, have, we can do those, but they're not going to be our focus. We're going to be talking about what God has done for you, that doctrine, and, and what a correct response to him is, which is humility and faith. Okay? All right. Now, Jethro ends with one really cool thing. He says this, If you do this thing, and god so commands you then you will be able to endure and all those people will go to their place in peace jethro is so cool right here he says don't do it because i told you to do it ask god and he'll tell you i'm right (laughs) that is awesome i love that kind of confidence jethro is like i know what is needed right now but you know what test it go ask the lord and you it will absolutely be confirmed as the right way to go ask god and he's going to confirm it to you again we're going to teach grace we're going to disciple in grace we're going to be talking about grace till i die and hopefully the next pastor does the same thing or else please shut the church down okay we have one job and that's to disciple people in god's grace this chapter really blessed me and we're done that's the last part of our Study today. But I just wanted you guys to know this really confirmed in my heart what are we doing? We are going to study God's grace. We're going to engage with God's grace. We're going to receive God's grace. And God's grace will produce all that we need. Everything you need is already given to you in the life of Jesus that's available to us today. All right, so we're going to sing a song. Uh, Communion is going to be available so take the opportunity to come the crackers are not weird tasty this week I don't know what happened to that we need to hire a cupbearer i think new serve, new ministry position is available see me after <laughs> make sure we don't die from <laughs> all right I'm going to read the last part of our our chapter here. It says, So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said because Moses is a man of faith, right? He believed, and he sought the Lord, and the Lord confirmed it. Then Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of 50, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times and heard the cases and the hard cases they brought to Moses. They judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. Then I'm going to read again, real quick, that verse from 2 Timothy, and I just want you to see how like they are. 2 Timothy 2. Verse 1 and 2. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach them to others also. So there's our our link together. That's what we have for today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love, and we thank you for um, your grace that we can... Trust that you will provide everything that we ever need. There is nothing that we have to earn ourselves. There's nothing we have to obtain ourselves. We simply receive all that you offer. I thank you for that, God. It's the only way that makes sense. And Lord, as, as many have sought your um, truth about this matter, they have all come back with the same uh, confirmation that your spirit gives, which is that this is right to, to teach God's grace and truth to God's people so that they can be set free of all the burdens that, this, uh, that sin has shackled us into. Lord, I pray that every single person in here would be free, completely set free, by looking to the Son and believing all that Jesus has done for them. Lord, there is no sin that remains once a look to you has happened. God, you destroy it all. And God, I pray that we would be able to experience that freedom and deny our flesh that wants to continually rise up and and take us back to what we were before we believed in you. Lord, I pray you'd help us to deny that flesh. And And instead, put our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus, you and what you did for us. Lord, you died on the cross in exchange for your perfect life, you took our sinfulness, and we love it. It is such a great deal for us. You take everything that we ever did into your body, and it was killed on the cross, nailed there, and now only life is available to us when we, um, when we look to you. So God, I pray that every person in here would have. Perfect peace and assurance that they are saved. Not because they have earned it from you, but because simply they believe that you are their Savior. And they have asked you in faith to save them. Lord, save me. Lord, save us. I thank you that I have a great confidence in my own spirit that you have said yes to that for me. And I pray that everyone in here would share with that confidence, Lord, we love knowing that we are saved. And Jesus, as we uh, come to your communion table, we remember your body being broken. We remember your blood being poured out because in that broken body, we have assurance of our salvation. In that cup of, of grape juice, we have the remembrance of the new life that has already been poured in. And we want, to, uh, we want to see it and experience it. We want to believe that we are children of God and not what we used to be. God, I thank you for um, John and Kristen being here. And we pray that you would bless and supply and enable them for everything that they need to do that you have called them to do. And Thank you for them laying their lives down. And thank you for the uh, wonderful work that you're doing out there. God, I pray for the next couple of weeks. I know we're praying a lot right now, but Jesus, I just pray for the next couple of weeks that we our hearts would be set on You and not bothered by all the Christmas stuff and not distracted by all all the busyness of this season. Uh, but Lord, that we would still open Your Word daily, and we would read and we would feast on Your Word and on Your faithfulness. God, we need You so much. And lastly, I pray for anyone in here who has a hard heart. And, Father, I pray that you would do a gentle but firm work of softening our hearts to believe your scriptures. Lord, we can't um, change ourselves in any way, but by believing your words, Lord, we can be changed by your Holy Spirit. You promise that. So I pray that every person in here would believe and receive the great love that makes, them, makes us children of God. I pray that grace discipleship would, um, would expand, that we would all dive in to learning about all that you have done for us. And then we would turn around and teach all those in our life that, are, um, that you put in our lives. Help us invest in your kingdom. Not just spend our time and our energies on our own kingdoms and what we want to do and what we find entertaining. But Lord, we need you. We want to surrender our whole lives to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Would you guys all stand with me as we sing this song? And anytime you like, come up and take communion.